What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors. And today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. <laughs> hey, Legends of Tomorrow viewers. Welcome to the show. We got so much to talk about. We got three-breasted babes, Thanksgiving dinners, Baba Yaga's, octopus. Do I have beef or do I got sushi? You find out. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Ah, God of monsters. There you go. Ah, uh, from the original Godzilla film. Fantastic little theme playing music plays into this episode of the Legends of Tomorrow After Show. Hey, everybody, we're breaking down every episode airing Monday nights in the CW all season long. I'm one of your hosts and the less talented of the three, let's be honest, Frank Moran. Oh, that's not true. But I'm also here. I'm Dave Childs. (laughs) Hey, we're all here. Well, yeah, most of us. Lucretia, unfortunately, is not here. But all three of us. I'm picking up the caboose. It's Lex Michael. (laughs) Picking up the, the caboose of the group. Lex Michael, the sexy caboose. We'll be breaking down Season 4, Episode 5, Tugumo Attacks. And as always, folks, like us on Facebook, give us those five stars on iTunes, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're going to have the chat up and running, so feel free to share your thoughts about it. I'm looking at it. I'm not just playing Candy Crush on here. I'm looking at your chats. Look at that. Dave Child has direct access to your very thoughts and comments about this episode or anything you want to talk about Legends of Tomorrow related. Feel free to chime away in the chat. But uh, before we dive into everything in detail, uh, real quick, what do the two of you think of the episode overall? Mm-hmm. Uh, more, more kaiju stuff, just in general. Mm. Le- in, in popular culture, by and large, just less of everything else, more kaiju stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Th- that's it. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I like this episode. I thought it was fun. It continues to be just like uh, a fun-ass show. It's just like it has a lot going on. Even all the... This was a, one of those episodes that has an obvious, this is your A, this is your B, this is your C. But each one was fun. They weren't really related to one another, but I was enjoying all three of them. So it's uh, I, I, I was into it. 
Yeah, it's uh, again and again. I feel like this as we talked to the, I've talked both of you individually. It's so exciting mm-hmm. to have all of us to gather together oh, for once. Nice. Indeed. Uh, but uh, this, I feel like it, this show has been getting stronger and stronger with each successive season. Yeah. And uh, I feel like this season they're really kind of finding out what works best for them. And even though they're splitting it up into multiple stories, I still don't feel like anybody's being wasted. Uh, much like previous seasons, I feel like, yeah, well, Jax is in Firestorm or you know, Jax yeah. is dying. I feel like everybody's got a reason. They've got a purpose. And it doesn't feel like they're just spinning their wheels because of like budgetary concerns. Yeah. Or and the mixes and matches of the people in the group were interesting. They just didn't follow in the same they're they're mixing it up as far as like you've never seen Nate with Ava. Let's see what happens when that's put together. Right, and you and you found the uh, appropriate additional spices to add to the recipe that sort of brings out the flavor, if you will, of everything else. Like ingredients like Constantine, ingredients like Tom Wilson, mm. giving a, mm-hmm. sort of a, a pivot point around which Nate and Ava can operate. Right, like all of that stuff only serves to. Uh, add more layer, more color, more flavor to all of these storylines. Yeah. Because if you think about it, we really uh, almost break it up into four stories. Uh, I mean, if you take the 2018 Time Bureau stuff, it is kind of break, uh, broken up between Nate and Ev at home and then right. Nate and Gary at the Time Bureau as well as with Mono. But none of it feels yeah. – everything – nothing feels like it's getting sh- uh, the short shrift. All of it feels like it's still getting all the attention to make yeah. it a complete – you feel like you're getting a complete story when you You actually it. see like just enough of what you want. Like the, the mm-hmm. one storyline I would lo- roll my eyes out a bit would be the uh, Ray and and Nora one. Yeah. Like – but they just had enough of it that I was like fine with it and I kind of enjoyed it. And I kind of loved the, the tension that was happening there with Constantine as well and that's kind of the serious edge to the episode. And it was just enough that it wasn't just like, oh, do we have to be in the CW land of I love you, but I got to do something wrong. Right. Well, and I, I like to not to jump too far. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Far ahead, but I do like the way that they resolve this in this episode, right? Like, it felt like a great moment of, like, oh, like, okay, good for you. And we're not yeah. going to drag this and ring it and try and uh, derive drama artificially from it on an ongoing basis. We're actually maybe. Maybe she's still going to be part of the show. Maybe she's not. But now we've uh, aggressively pivoted in a different direction. So we have to do something other than drama for the sake of drama, obfuscation, uh, Ray having to lie over and over again about what he's doing with this girl away from his team, etc. Right. No, I I agree with you all on that. So it's uh, always better when they kind of uh, stay a little bit ahead of what the viewer is expecting. Because I think ordinarily you'd be thinking like what Alex was saying, that they're just going to drag this out for – Episodes and really, uh, is Ray going to be able to tell the legends what he's done again? Right. Yeah. No, we just, uh, just like everyone's keeping secrets. <laughs> By the way, uh, I like this one chat from Luna Malfoy on the chat. It says uh, we wasted the whole budget on this episode. Every other episode is going to be improv. That's, <laughs> that's that was an expensive looking squid. Yeah, yeah. nicely realized. I, I was octopus, really impressed by that. Octopus Lex. Okay, not a squid. I'm sorry. Was that the improper nomenclature? Improper. <laughs> Get out of here. It's. I believe it was more octopus. 
octopod, more octopus than school. Well, as much yeah. we have the four stories, and we'll kind of break all those down. But we have our 1951 story, which we'll go into. We also have mm-hmm. our 2018 Time Bureau, both with the, uh, as I mentioned, with Ava and Nate for Thanksgiving dinner, as well as what's going on at the Time Bureau with all the uh, the various creatures that they've captured. And then we also have some stuff with uh, Ray and Nora and trying to help Constantine come, uh, save his life. Yep. There you go. So you know what? I, I'm you know I'm gonna feel. Uh, let's spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. Dave Child, what do you which one do you want to talk about first? I want to talk about the 1951 stuff. Uh, all right, we're gonna do let's that. go right to the go. Let's go right to the monster. Like I, I like how they picked uh, uh, Ashiro Honda, who's and the actual director of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. So it was a nice little like. They actually use a historical figure that I don't think a lot of people knew. Like I, even enough that I was like, "What are they actually using the name of the director? Or did they just make up someone?" Right, it's like I know surely someone directed Godzilla, yeah. but who could it have been? <laughs> who could have been? And you look it up, and he's actually like an interesting director. I read a little bit of his Wikipedia where he was uh, one of uh, Kurosawa's best friends, and they worked together a lot. On top of creating Godzilla, he also did like. Um, God, Ultraman and a few of the That's other great. ones too. He's he's very classic in a lot of in a lot of ways. So it's it's cool to use him like this. Yeah, and what I I like again is this is uh, certainly the theme of this this season is magical threats. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, like this episode as well as last week, they're doing a nice spin on what you think the magical threat's going to be. Yeah, and so you think it's going to be the oh this giant menace under the sea, which maybe inspired Godzilla. Turns out no, it is just a uh, a book from this Celtic goddess. That uh, was meant to uh, be a benefit to humanity, but ends up yeah. in the wrong hands, depending on your frame of mind, can summon these creatures. Yeah, yeah. So it gets in the hands of someone who's, you know, trying dreaming up giant monsters attacking the cities. And, and I did like that perfect. moment where he has that, uh, where he tells Sarah and Zari and Mick yeah. that backstory about Hiroshima and how that really just affected his mindset. Right. And that was something that I did. I went into a very because we watch the show that we dive into here, and I went to a very short Wikipedia dive. But I was trying to see if he actually had any backstory kind of like that when it comes to Godzilla or Gojira, and uh, it actually is like it, I couldn't find anything. But I do know that the the monster was inspired by um, the Hiroshima attacks and and the aftermath of. Of the nuclear war, so it is. It is appropriate, even if it's not you know direct history, for him to talk like that. Yeah, it's heavy stuff too, man. Like he's literally yeah. talking about breathing in the ashes of, of people he hypothetically yeah, may have geez. known or rubbed shoulders with. I mean, this mm-hmm. is not light. This is not casual. This is this is pretty heavy. Uh, it is, uh, and he is definitely feeling some uh, some guilt for taking these these uh, thoughts and these feelings that he has, putting them on paper, and then it's created this monster. And now he's worried, wow, I've become the destroyer. Right. Uh, much like that, that famous guy become the destroyer of worlds. Right. Yes. There you go. Oh, there very nice. I'm exhausted now. That was my smart thing for the He used up all his brain power on that one one thing. I did think whatever when he threw back the when he threw the book and then the book came flying back 
it didn't read to me like it was a magic book. It just read to me like it was playing catch with the octopus. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I thought that same thing as well. And I was just like, why do they, what are they, is the octopus like pure evil? So they really needed to have that close up on the book and yeah. it's shining. And like the octopus like, read it and was like, mm, don't like this book. It's no. boring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I must appease it with the best Agatha Christie <laughs> mysteries I could find. It's a Twilight fan. The octopus is a Twilight fan. <laughs> well, this also ties into another uh, member that's uh, struggling with their creativity, and that's our pal Mick Rory. Frank, oh. Frank, last week you and I spoke at some length about Mick and whether or not he should share and open up, and we discussed the <laughs> secret creativity that he harbors. How pleasant a surprise it was for me as a viewer. Yeah. This week it is, in fact, Mick's uh, repressed uh, close quiet creativity that saves the day. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, I did. Yeah, uh, Zari saying you get writer's block. No, I dropped a deuce this morning. <laughs> My favorite part of that is her ew <laughs> reaction. That's that was that was the best. Uh, what I do like though is that when uh, Zari does find out Mickey at the beginning of the episode uh, at the typewriter, are you, are you working on a typewriter? It's like I was watching porn. That that becomes like yeah. that is that is better for you to know that I I watch porn and I have great care about the porn I watch. And he sticks with it too when <laughs> yes. he goes into the next scene, and then it's like, well, someone was taking things very seriously. I dig my porn very seriously. That <laughs> <laughs> that is more important. No, no, I was typing. No, yeah. no you, you never know that. It's my new T-shirt. I uh, take my porn very seriously. <laughs> oh, find that on uh, Dave Charles Redbubble store. Yeah, if you want my merch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, boy. Uh, but you know what uh, you can find on the internets, on the intertubes and the interwebs over there, uh, are these great shows that we do here at AfterBuzz. You know, AfterBuzzers, our network produces uh, after shows for nearly all your favorite TV shows. From drama, reality TV, sci-fi, more, there is no network that works harder to serve you, the television fans. And trust me, we have all looked. We've searched high and low. It's true. None exist. They're you can't find it. Nope. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We need Lies. your help. So we're asking that you please subscribe to one or more of our YouTube channels. And by subscribing to our channel, YouTube will suggest content that's tailor-made for you, and then you'll help AfterBuzz continue to grow. And if you're worried about those pesky notifications... I am, Frank. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, Dave Child. Don't! Because they are optional. What? Oh, what? Huh? Uh, absolutely. We're in 2018, guys. Those things are optional now. Get it. What? Yes. Yeah. So hit that subscribe button now. And when you do, uh, let us know in the comments... That uh, that you did, and not only are we going to suggest other YouTube channels, AfterBuzz YouTube channels for you to watch, but Dave Child will pick out a few of you lovely folks, and then he's going to create a, a dance, a special interpretive dance, just for you. This is all news to me. This is all news. <laughs> I did not approve of this. It's going to be exciting. So make sure you comment down <laughs> below. And folks, thanks for uh, being the best best fans in the world and helping make us the ESPN at TV Talk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree, that Frank. So nice. That's that great. Was, that was so nice. Frank, lovely words. Oh, lovely. What lovely have you just... got to lose? <laughs> <laughs> what have you got to lose? Uh, but we see, though, at the end, it uh, well, one we get to see uh, Tagamo, who it turns yeah. out to be a giant squid that can kind of change its shape. Yeah, you get into the smallest of spaces, or like anything. like real octopuses can do, like True. real octopi, whatever. I, I think it's actually octopuses. That's actually an um, uh, uh, assumption that's wrong. Anyways, octopus, it's like an octopus can squeeze and go into weird spaces. It's really freaky to see. So it was a good choice if you just want, like, a random CGI tentacle that you need to fight that's popping I, up out okay, of the Okay, so sewer. shout out, shout out to Katie Loss's tentacle acting in this episode. Yeah, uh, good tentacle uh, acting. Storied yep. is the history of tentacle acting in film and television, where you have either a CG or a practical tentacle wrapped around your actor, and 
and their job is to bind their their arms tight to the body and sort of thrash around as if the tentacle is squeezing them tightly. <laughs> Lex is an expert because he mostly watches films involving tentacles. <laughs> only, he takes only his, tentacles. I'm he takes his tentacles very, very seriously. Very, very seriously indeed. No, but like, shout out because I think her tentacle acting was very on point. I believed, <laughs> I believed that there was an octopus that was cutting off her circulation. Have you ever nice. left a theater being like, I can't watch this, the tentacle acting is so poor, I can't stand it. Um, uh, the Revenant. The Revenant. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that octopus that comes out of the there was Canadian one, wilderness. There was one moment that wasn't perfect reality, and it was the octopus, yeah. and it just screwed the whole thing for me, top it's to bottom. It's he survived the bear, but he didn't have survived the octopus? I'm sorry. Spoiler for The Revenant. Mm. Uh, your thoughts on 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? Mm-hmm. Do, uh, do they do good squid acting in there? You know what? Uh, you really you have to give them credit for pioneering a uh, whole bunch of technique in that direction. So it's a little bit like looking at a, a movie from the 1940s going like, okay, well, we definitely put a, a greater polish on this in yeah. the decades to come. Mm. But as far as, like, your, your ground zero for tentacle acting, I mean, that's where you go. That's like the Citizen Kane of tentacle films. There you go. Yep, that's true. Uh, boy, I can't wait to read your film history book. <laughs> it's it's, it's coming. It's coming. It's tentacles, coming. tentacles. <laughs> Ten uh, films about tentacles. Now, <laughs> of course, here in this episode, they uh, they use the book, of Bri- uh, the, the book of Bridget to bring this octopus to life. Yeah. But uh, it was interesting to know that in the uh, the real history there, the Godzilla special effects director uh, Ijai Suburia, and prob- I'm sure I slaughtered yeah, that name. we're destroying all these uh, names. But he originally wanted a giant octopus for the film uh, before they settled on the uh, the giant lizard that became really? Godzilla. So yeah, nice. Uh, that was a nice deep cut. Huh. That is a nice little nod. Hey, you know, these legend writers, I'll give it up for them. They do their research and come up with nice spins on this stuff. But you also see, if you want to watch, like, <laughs> the, the pitfalls of having uh, probably a giant octopus of that time and how hard it is to actually control it, Watch Ed Wood, and then you can yes. see Martin Landau as Bella Lugosi, like fighting a, a octopus that has no motors, and that's that's beautiful tentacle acting. The jungle is my home. <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes down to the end. Mick is able to get through his writer's block and starts writing uh, because the book does bond with the creator. Yes. and the idea is that uh, the story has to continue to its full conclusion before somebody else can start writing. In there. Oh yeah, and, and what uh, a conclusion! Yes, uh, but a nice nod because we've always seen what Mick has always written about, about this warrior queen, and we get to see her fully realized. Yeah. There you go. Uh, she and was she fantastic. looked great. Yes. I love how, uh, yes, she had three boobs, and she was towering in a force of nature, but I have to say, she was not as scantily clad as I was imagining. No. Very Rory tasteful. Right. He was, she was very tasteful, very powerful. It's almost the the new Shira of the of <laughs> of the uh, of the warrior queens, and I thought uh, she was great. That fight sequence between two imag- like imaginary characters was was great. And of course, right on the model set, right? Yes. So it's replicating yeah. the effect of the kaiju's taking down Tokyo, etc. But really, yeah. I mean, just really well done with that that fight scene. That the, the realization of that octopus and her fighting. So well done. It just it, you couldn't see the seams in that scene. It was really, yeah, it yeah. was really impressive. Now there is a as I was reading about there, this could be an Easter egg, and it might be a nod to uh, Eccentrica uh, Gallimbits. It's a uh, the triple breasted, as they describe, uh, horror of Eroticon Six being created for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes. But also uh, name checked in an, an issue of the Legion of Superheroes, so it can be considered DC canon as well. Interesting. Oh, yes. I always think of Total Recall. That's the same. Like that's, I, I go there first. When I think of three boobs, I think of Total Recall. <laughs> that's my that's my three boob uh, 
reference of no. choice. <laughs> I didn't think of anything until recall. I just think of just like uh, wait. Oh, there's also uh, Luna Malfoy <laughs> again says in the chat the Star Trek Five three boobed cat lady. No, oh. which I don't less, remember. But the, the less said about Star Trek Five, there's a lot of talk about Hente uh, in the chat right now. Is that the one with Cybok? <laughs> yes, Star Trek Five. Why does God need a starship? Right, right. <laughs> so there's a three boob cat lady in that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, uh, Mick's got his end of story on a high note because it's uh, them making uh, passionate love in the ruins. Of the yeah, city. I also love how they have to make passionate love because that's how the story ends. <laughs> and the, I mean, he basically wrote it, so it's like this is how it has to happen. So you had to. I wish there was a moment where I wish, like, because we're still trying to find out who Charlie is in a little bit, and I kind of wish there was a moment where Charlie would be like, no. I want to watch this. <laughs> and there's almost a moment, and then kind of she goes back and then leaves with the rest of it. I wanted more of that. Well, let's take a second and just uh, dive into Charlie. So, yeah. uh, you know, of course, we have our shapeshifter that's been stripped of her powers, kind of figuring out how does, as for what we know right now, seems to be just a normal, the normal size, speed, and strength of a human being. Yeah. Doesn't have any powers, but does have this knowledge of monsters. Right. How are you liking how she's integrating? Do you think she's, uh, without powers, is interesting asset to the legends? I, I, what do you think? Okay, so my where my head is, is like, I, I really like what Maisie Richardson Sellers is doing. Like, I like the performance, and I like the characterization a whole bunch. I think it's still a little bit too soon for me to have a, a finger on the pulse of what her function within the team is, right? Because I feel like she's got a blend of traits. Like, she's got some traits that Mick has and some traits that Constantine has. And there's a lot of overlap with her skill set, especially without her shape-shifting powers. So I'm trying to figure out, as much as I like this character, what is her role on the team that is distinguished in a pronounced way from the roles that are already being filled? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's my big thing. I was like, we have, we have, a, uh, we have a punk-loving monster expert who's british and loves to drink a lot and we also have charlie so it's like we have constantine and we have charlie and they kind of are fulfilling the same role and i i find it a little strange that they went down this path i like that they that she's there in a lot of ways because i like the actress and it's good to have her be a part of the cast and it's funny to see how much they bend backwards to make sure that <laughs> right. this actress stayed there. And it made me wonder about all the actors that aren't there anymore and how they didn't bend backwards for them. Uh, Victor but, Garber went back to Broadway. That's true. Yes, yes. That's <laughs> yeah. He needed to go. But I like, uh, I don't know, like if she had shape-shifting powers, if they did something where maybe they're stunted shape-shifting powers, so after... Give up, give us a rule like after 30 minutes or after 10 minutes, she has to revert back to this Amaya kind of shape. Yeah, that would be cool because then we can have the same actress, they could do fun things with her, and then shape shifting can still happen. And that would be totally useful and pretty cheap power to have because mm-hmm, all yeah. you need is just like you another know, actor, yeah, guest stars. Yeah, yeah I, I'm kind of. I feel like Charlie could be by the end of the season my my like my re, my redundant member of the cast. Like, why is she here? Right, but but I do like the the knowledge of the uh, of the monsters and how she's coming from this basically hell prison, and I think that might pay off. Yeah, it's, somehow. Well, because we do. Uh, I'm gonna save that. 
Okay. Because I feel like if I bring up my beef now, yeah, yeah. Oh, we got to get that whole segment yes. your beef. We got to eat that up. I do think there are scenarios in which, right, like we saw, like uh, towards the end of the Constantine storyline, where he's kind of getting into not an argument necessarily, but a bit of a conflict with Nora about kind of what the consequence of this power is and kind of like what it means to make these choices. I think it's interesting to have another character that potentially, once Constantine is not uh, in a chair the whole time um, when he's up and about they can essentially clash over the the most appropriate way to sort of implement magic mm, maybe like there's there's potentially interesting stuff to be explored there but yeah mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what else I was getting even more worried when Nora was starting to come back but I th- we'll save that for a little bit because yeah. Frank I feel like you got something to tell us well you know I mean we're talking about exploration and I feel like the World Wide Web is one of the, the greatest uh, exploration uh, devices that you can do there's so many things that you can find on there. I've heard that. Yeah, you know, and I, if you watch a lot of, uh, I don't know why, I was just saying, that's so braggadocious. If you watch me a lot on After Buzz, wow. uh, you probably have better things to do wow. with your time. But I, I do enjoy <laughs> uh, t-shirts. I, I love them to, to no end. And I'm always looking for fun, iconic, uh, whether it be comic book t- t-shirts, True. pop culture, pop culture kind of mix-ups, anything like that. That's what I love to do. And I've never seen him not wearing a shirt. Thank, thank you, Dave. That's uh, it's, I think for for everybody's benefit. I have <laughs> so many times without yeah. pants, though. You have no idea what he's wearing underneath this desk. Shh. <laughs> but you know what? Though uh, sometimes you can't find everything that you want, and sometimes yeah. you need a way to. If you could have an opportunity to uh, go through somebody else's closet, maybe they've actually done all the the the, the searching for. They're looking for. Uh, they found this great shirt. And uh, they don't need it anymore. But they want to be able to sell it. And that's like what I do at Lex's closet all the time. There you go. I'm so, always in his closet watching It's true. Sleep. It's <laughs> so rude and creepy. There is a way of, instead of buying things new, you can now shop from millions of closets around America with uh, with Poshmark. It's awesome. You can download the Poshmark app. It carries men's, women's, and, and uh, kids' brands as well. They have tons of brands to shop from. So if you like, uh, whether it's something very high-end, like a Louis Vuitton uh, Speedy Bag, that you can get for $300, a way cheaper discount than if you're to go into a, a Louis Vuitton store and buy it, so, buy that, it new. That's true. As somebody who frequents the Louis Vuitton store, I can tell you that they, they, do, they charge top dollar, and that sounds yeah. like a heck of a bargain. Oof. The, but uh, everybody has a different t- sense when it comes to fashion, and everybody on Poshmark also has different fashion senses as well. So you're going to be able to find exactly what you're looking for, find those little hidden treasures that you maybe always wanted but never been able to find anywhere else. You can find it there on Poshmark. It's like the fashion is the fugitives. Lost through time. There you go. <laughs> now, shipping is easy for both the seller and the buyer. It's super fast shipping. And uh, you can see something you want. You don't have to worry about maybe making a bid and hoping that when the time runs out, you can actually make an offer right now. If the buyer likes it, boom, you're done. It's sent on its way. And you can be wearing that thing or rocking that cool handbag or whatever kind of uh, cool thing that they have. You could be rocking it within days. That sounds pretty easy. Yeah. That's- so share your Poshmark closet handle telling your fans where to find you on the app. That's a great way for, uh, for anybody that uh, has been following you to go like, hey, I like what Dave Child's got to share and what he's kind of cool shirts he's wearing. How can I get those? They follow you, your hash mark, boom, right to your store with all those cool T-shirts. You got it. So now it's Black Friday, and uh, every day on Poshmark, they're offering designer brands like Louis Vuitton, Michael Kors, Tory Burch for a deal. So, listeners of AfterBuzz, you get $5 off your first purchase. What? Just enter the invite code AfterBuzz when you sign up. That's invite code AfterBuzz. Poshmark, man, liven up your fashion. Liven it up. Yes. Keep it live. There you go. You know who does have great fashion? Gary. (laughs) (laughs) Does he? There you go. He rocks that black suit. I mean, he does wear a nice black suit. Smart suits. Yeah, they're smart suits. Yeah. Uh, So, we've got our, our time bureau. 
Yeah. And it's uh, it happens to be timing uh, in time with Thanksgiving. It's just around the corner. And people at Time Bureau, they got to eat. It's they holidays. And so Hank is there getting a tour of the facilities as we're bringing in some new, latest magical creatures they've captured, including Baba Yaga. Yeah. Look at that. I love, I feel like Baba Yaga never gets a proper do. I feel like Baba Yaga is a very scary witch. And it's often because she has such a silly name. She's often thrown in with like the chupacabra or just a random. Because isn't that the other guy? Yeah, who's, like, chupacabra. The chupacabra? Was there, which weirdly, I, I was under the impression that in mythology, right? Because in in the mythology, the chupacabra is like the the goat killer from goat Mexican, sucker. like right, goat sucker, like from from Mexican folklore, I believe. Yeah, and from and there's also Guatemalan and yes. uh, Puerto Rican. Okay, uh, uh, yeah. so, so but I was under the impression that it was more like serpentine. Like, it was more of a snake-looking thing. Oh. I don't know where I pulled that from. This dude looks like a werewolf. I think that's your own little That could be. Maybe, maybe I, like, added no. to the mythology, and I'm like, it's a snake now. Um, Chupacabra ends up looking a little, actually kind of like this. Like, a little goat-like, but with, like, usually a, a, a little uh, straw tongue that goes out. Or, like, sometimes reptilian, or sometimes uh, furry, or with feathers. I see. There it's you know, a very so crypt- like cryptozoology. All animals, just yeah. all of them. All of them. Well, it's just kind of, you know. <laughs> it does have a, like, but the face of this chupacabra was enough so I'm like, oh, I think that's a chupacabra. Okay. Enough so it's like that kind of long, lean goat kind of look. Okay, because I like looking at him in like a you know like a lineup. It's like okay, Baba Yaga, and then a half wolf man, and then yeah. a total wolf man that they're calling chupacabra. Oh uh, well, it just it looked more like a goat face to me, or like a horsey face. So that's always enough. That's okay. kind of enough of a change. Horse wolf. Yeah, but go to Dave Child's uh, uh, webpage. He's got a whole art section dedicated to Child's the cryptozoology <laughs> for kids. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but also nice, it's a second time in a comic book-related uh, property that Baba Yaga's gotten a shout-out this year. Mm-hmm. And Ant-Man and the Wasp, they compared Ghost right. to Baba Yaga. That's true. Oh. Like uh, David David Desmolchin, I think his character, also in the first one, doesn't he Bobby reference Yaga. Baba Yaga in the first one also? Always. Yeah, but why not Baba Yaga? Why he's not? real, like, he's he's devout in his beliefs yes. about the supernatural. <laughs> Uh, but Hank invites Nate over to Thanksgiving dinner and also invites Director Sharp as well. How kind. Mm-hmm. And since Ava doesn't have any family, she was just going to spend it at the Dime Bureau anyway. But then we get a nice kind of uh, riff on family family Thanksgiving dinners. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a terrible is, – is your family dynamics something like this? Can you relate to Nate? Oh, at points, yeah. yeah. There's definitely like the person where it's like, oh, don't mention Harry Potter to them because they think Harry Potter's the devil. Which is very interesting mm-hmm. in, wow. in certain. Because I've never had, you know, I mean, certainly so you watch watching a TV shows or films about a holiday dinner where the family comes together. Yeah. And you see, like, the kind of cliches that are played out. I've never experienced that in real life. So you... Well, this is very, this was hitting a very sore spot because this is a very wasp family. <laughs> and I feel like this reminded me very much of my wasp family where there's certain <laughs> things where it's just like, uh, that person's gonna get very drunk. Yep. Those kids are gonna get crazy. Someone's gonna get hurt, and there's uh, a few racist aunts and uncles that you have to kind of avoid. Nice. So right. yeah, a lot of it was just sort of playing observer, right? Like it's not just you know who not to engage with, and at a certain point you sort of sit back and watch everybody. Cl- it's like yeah. Godzilla. It's like let them fight. You just sort of watch everybody go at each other. You also know how long it's going to take until you actually eat. That's always a thing with Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, it's, uh, we, yeah, the turkey's done brining. So six more hours. What I thought they might have done a twist on this before we saw what they really did 
was we see Nate and Ava just hitting the booze heavy. They're down in that wine. I almost thought that they were going to become the monsters of the holiday meal. <laughs> that was like, you know, they were so worried about uh, like the others, and they ended up becoming so liquid well, up. They kind of do that when Nate's like, oh, and he always leaves on some work emergency. And I'm like, well, that's what you're going to do yeah, by the end of this. There's no <laughs> way that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, it does tie into nicely because we get a returning character. Mm-hmm. We get to see Mona return. Yeah. Our special food delivery person. She makes her return back to the Legends. Ah, she's adorable. Yeah, and it looks like she uh, she's trading up new gig. Right, she finds her calling. Yeah, yeah. She knows uh, the food to get. I'm also from- like, I'm glad because Gary, <laughs> it's I you I know you're coming from an innocent place, but you have to stop revealing secrets to a woman and then. Taking away their memory. Yeah. That's not a good way. I know the show is all about that <laughs> in a lot of ways, but it's it's you can't uh, you, you can't do it. You can't do it. But other than that one little hiccup, I thought this was Gary operating at his most smoothest because yeah. he orders enough food for Mona to come over and then want to share it with her. He's learning from Constantine. Yeah, He's just like I was like Gary. That was smooth. All right, nicely done. Go Gary. Look at that. So, of course, uh, everything goes wrong. The uh, the creatures are unleashed. They're running around. They're, but we turn out they're just hangry. They're just hangry. Yeah, we're all the Snickers bars. We the Snickers bars, everybody. Were they not feeding them? Like, did they have them in captivity unfed? <laughs> Listen, this is this is the uh, Arrowverse, <laughs> the Berlantiverse, <laughs> where I feel like, I, I'll say this for predictions, but I feel like they're leading up to the question of how to store... <laughs> to store these superhero criminals and sure. put them in like because the Flash they figured they that just, out though season one they put them in the pipeline they put them in the pipeline there's no toilets show me the toilet That's in the they Flash put in, they put them in Iron Heights eventually because they're like they have toilets in Iron Heights in we Iron Heights have- but not in that like super collider they just have this one room that has no entertainment no, and no they toilet send, they send Joe in twice a day with a pistol it's like you have bathroom privileges oh. <laughs> God, so they're learning, and right now they're like, oh, we need to feed these uh, mythical beasts. Uh, We do get to see, finally, Hank's uh, heel turn, at least the beginnings of it. Because you don't bring in Tom Wilson just to do, just like, hey, I'm just your dad. But we find out, really, he's got something going on, too, and it has to do with Project Hades. Yeah, he's pulling a a Paul Reiser in in Aliens. That's what he's doing. He's doing. He's like he's the corporate man trying to control the monsters, and that's that's going to end well. That always does. Every time yeah. it does. Every time. Every time. It'll never. Yeah. The, the, all these collected creatures, all in one location. Also, when what you said possibly? when you said he pulled this heel turn, I thought you were going to talk about his line. He oh. said it. Oh, he did. Oh, he, didn't he say said it. Like he did. Yep. And like, leave. And leave. He said his lies. That's right. He's very cute. He was Biff. <laughs> Back to the Future, you guys. Gonna be, he's Biff. Do you remember that time in Back to the Future, he's too, where he yelled at himself? Do you remember? <laughs> Here's a little secret Easter egg for you. He played Biff. What? <laughs> no way. Uh, so our, our last little bit here, too, is we've got uh, Nora and Ray and John Constantine. John was left depleted after the uh, after giving up some of his life force to save a child last episode. Mm-hmm. And we need some other magic user. And Ray says, hey, let's uh, maybe we can try to find Nora Dark. How could we possibly find Nora Dark? She could be anywhere or anywhere. Uh, it turns out, conveniently, she's just stayed close to the Time Bureau. But I, I kind of like this because I felt like... The Time Bureau wouldn't be looking in current time. 
I feel like that is like a little blind spot that uh, Sarah could think of and the Time Bureau won't think of. But also, if they, I, I like how if they just had guessed what time period are, is, what time period they, that she's in, they could just do the face recognition thing and find them. With, so they're probably doing that with every single time period they possibly can, except for like the current one. So. I, uh, my feeling is that, oh, man, this is just really cheesy. But it also just gets us to it quick. And since there's so little of it throughout the episode, you might as well right. just jump as quickly as you can. So I guess I'm willing to forgo a bit of cheesiness yeah. if it's going to get us right into the right, story. As opposed to spending, what, three, four episodes trying to track down Nora yeah. and we keep cutting back to her right. being bad at making soup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we see Nora struggle because she's uh, magic is something that she got from her father. So she's worried about backsliding into dark magic. Yeah. And which we, we like gesture at that super hard and then she real quickly pivots away from it. She's like, you know well, what? I thought about it. It's cool. I'm cool with it. There's a lot going on in this episode and some <laughs> one of the storylines has to be we the C story. It all tracks, right? Like there's plenty there where I can track it, but yes, it does feel like yeah. wow, you you introduced this really big moral quandary at the center of your character and then just as quickly went, Yeah, but it's I'm good. It's fine. I also like how Ray is becoming like really fixated on how to how to combine magic and science True. and is trying to figure out wh- and how those rules kind of go together yeah. so the the idea of using the energy of the of the actual uh, wave rider in order to kind of instead of giving up a life force is i think a smart way of doing it it is kind yeah. of a dsx machina but it's still it's a good one because well, I, I guess where they always say like magic is just science we don't understand yeah so it's like yeah i'm, I'm down with that and if ray wants to try to bridge that connection yeah, that's cool. And he also already did it with the the bones of the saint that he hooked up to a computer and yeah. stuff. It's I, I like that little like trick. Uh, so Nora resurrects uh, uh, John from the brink of death, mm-hmm. and uh, sees a face. Yes, which Who's uh, that dude? I assume from Constantine the TV series. If Lucretia were here, she would be able to give us all those inside scoop. But I feel like that is somebody that we lost along the way in the Constantine TV series. I'm guessing. I wonder because I feel like they're building. Yeah, if anyone knows who if recognizes that person, but I feel like they're building up whoever's chasing after Constantine right now. For sure, like to, that's how it feels to me as well. And I also feel like I don't, um, I'm not hyper fixated on all of every little news bit that's coming out about all of these shows as it happens. But I feel like that's something one of us would have heard about. Like they're bringing back this character from the Constantine TV series. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? True too. But it's also equally possible that I missed it. Yeah. Uh, but we see there at the end that Nora, instead of uh, doing what Ray wants, which is take the time stone, just go somewhere, don't tell me, just be safe, I want you to be safe. She says the quickest way to redeem herself is to uh, confess to her crimes. And, Face the music. Yeah. Which I, I liked. I yes. liked it too. I liked it a lot, actually. I also think, we don't have too much time, so this is kind of a prediction real quick, but I feel like they are jumping, I think she's going to come back because they're building up something a way, a prison, a way to keep these magical creatures, and she is one of them. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to have her be a part of this prison or something, and that's going to play a big factor into a future episode. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of those little mini predictions, let's just do uh, a little quick uh, round of predictions before we get out of here. Yeah. And now, your After Buzz TV predictions. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, we're gesturing. <laughs> to eat. This is to eat. Come <laughs> here. Um, uh, so, 
So we're heading towards we're heading towards uh, uh, them building a prison. We're heading towards for these magical creatures. Yeah, Frank got there. I got there. Yeah, he got there. He <laughs> realized we're talking about when are we going to talk about Frank's beef? Yep, um, that's right. But li- for right now, it's like I feel like we're going to have uh, you know they're going to face Biff and they're going to face uh, the they're going to have to go against the government. Nate's going to have to go against his dad. I think that's going to be interesting, for for sure. Um, I I'm really I'm really looking forward to seeing the further we get into the series how we integrate Charlie into the team as like a fully functioning yeah. cop, right? I do think I do think to this show's credit they've done a really great job the past couple of years at taking new characters and who who feel sort of uh, superfluous at first, and over the course of a season making them feel integral to this like a character like Zari who now I can almost not imagine the dynamic of the show without her. So I have faith that this yeah. is a this is a trick they can definitely pull off. I'm they, just very curious to see in wh- like what form that takes. They're also being smart with like, hey Zari, maybe the pendant looks a little dumb. Let's turn it into a, a bracelet. bracelet. <laughs> That's uh, smart. Uh yeah, I will I have a feeling that the the whole stuff with Hank is going to be I'm doing this for what I think are the right reasons. Oh no, what have I done? Uh, they were going to get that. Pre- I was so wrong. Nate, forgive me. Okay, your, your tone of voice sounds like <laughs> you don't like that. But mm. I'm like, with this show, <laughs> I really love them leaning into cliches and seeing how they can have fun with them and kind of break them. What's the over-under on them ultimately defeating him with manure? Oh! oh. If it, <laughs> the season ends with him just like a big manure thing and him just spitting out one little uh, chunk of it. That'd be beautiful. Yeah. Uh, okay, ladies and gentlemen, a quick round of uh, my beef. beef. I need to know. We can't. My quick beef. round of Frank's beef. Oh. That's right. Where's the beef? There, there it go. is. Uh, Josh, you were waiting for that sound drop for the longest time, and we're doing a rapid fire. My quick beef here is uh, we were talking about Charlie. Uh-huh. The uh, I felt like there was uh, much in the way that I felt like with Moana. When we see uh, when Maui ends up leaving Moana uh, towards the tail end of the movie and then just pops oh, back at like, the end. Are you talking about Mona from the thing? <laughs> no, you're talking about Moana. We get to see Charlie run off and leave Sarah to fight the uh, Tagumo. Uh, uh, and then all of a sudden comes back and starts throwing bricks. Uh-huh. We, we see no, like, like what did Charlie do? She just, I, I feel like also, the brick is working too much. I will give you that. But also, like, I, I feel like with Charlie, that's not so bad. That's just, let's have a nice fight scene. Let's have some tentacle action going on. We all love a little bit of tentacle action. But I feel like it's what we need is, like, to build that character a little bit, to, to kind of feed onto your beef a little My bit. defense of this is that Charlie has been drinking heavily. And mm-hmm. so her decisions, moment to moment, might be a little scattershot. So I can buy that she may walk away, and then in the next moment go, oh, wait a minute, this ain't the move. Get this brick. And then we throw it at the squid. Uh-huh. But, but so those are those moments where I feel like, sure, it's great to see tentacle action, and the effects work was nicely we done. We all love tentacle action. We all love tentacle action. But I'd rather see the emotional moment. If you're going to want me to invest in this character, let me see why she changes her mind. Yeah. I feel like that's more important to get me invested in this character rather than I seeing... I also felt like she minute. didn't change her mind. She just did what, of course, she would do. I didn't feel like that wasn't a big character well, choice. Just, of that. I don't know. She just runs off and goes, aren't you glad I came back? Like, oh, well, okay. but you... All right. I guess what so. The yeah. reason why you decided to come back would be cool. Right. But anyway, yeah. so I feel like, there you go. You guys couldn't eat my beef. Can I, can I give a quick <laughs> anti-beef? This is a little bit of Dave's oh. veggies. All right. Can Why's I throw it? <laughs> this is something that I kind of like from this episode because they finally used time travel oh. correctly. And they said, you know what? We could just go back 10 seconds after we left and it'll feel like we were always there. 
Yes, that's what you can do in a time traveling show, and it seems like this show is always forgetting that. So it's a nice to finally see that here. I would agree. I, I enjoyed that moment as well too. Although I didn't really enjoy the family like applauding Nate as he came oh! back in. Like, it was literally seconds that that they oh, came away. So why are you really applauding? That him. that Uncle Rich really acted his heart out uh, this whole episode. <laughs> yeah. it's, it was quite great. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, we've done it. We successfully have landed the Wave Rider. <laughs> and this we completed this another episode of the Legends of Tomorrow After Show. But as always, like us on Facebook, give us those five stars on iTunes, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and thank you everybody for hopping in the chat. And if you want to stay in touch with any of us, even after the show's over, Lex Michael, where can they find you? Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael, and I also do a podcast with Tari J. Miller called Missing Out, where people share their passions and talk about the media that has built them up as people. It's the retrospective, it's introspective, uh, all over. Where we get your podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, and on Twitter at Missing Outcast. Check it out. We love you. Mwah. And I'm Dave Child. You can find me at MR Dave Child on Twitter and also MR Dave Child on Instagram. <laughs> it doesn't go along with the After Buzz theme song, so I'm not going to say. And you can go to DaveChild.com. Also, if you go to my Twitter and you see my pinned tweet, you can see my new music video where I dance a lot to uh, some wonderful music that's really good. So watch that. You'll be delighted and surprised. And you can also find me on the Doctor Who After Show here because I love talking about time travel and wonderful misfits. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at HappyGoJackie. We will be back here next Monday night for an all-new episode of the Legends of Tomorrow After Show right here on AfterBuzz TV. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Swamp off. Beat off! Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 